Hey guys, so just before we get into this week's episode, just a shout out to say thank you for listening and hopefully sharing the stories of the podcast with others. Last week's episode, 1% Better on Productivity, that was a solo show, part two from when I did a couple of years ago. Well, that was the most downloaded of all episodes since uh, the first week and in the first couple of days, which is great that so many have connected in with that one. Productivity is a universal topic, one that we're all searching for. So hopefully you enjoyed it. If you haven't checked it out, do uh, check out one of the others. And if you are listening to this one because you're a fan or a follower of KC, do check out some of the previous ones. And most of all, if you can leave a rating or a review or subscribe to the podcast, all helps get it into the airs of others which is always good. You're helping others improve as well. Okay, enjoy the episode with Casey Lynn Hancock from Air Force to Artist, Managing Risk, Balancing Creativity and Discipline. Thanks for checking it out and good luck. Welcome to another edition of the 1% Better Podcast with your host, Rob O'Donoghue. Hey folks, welcome to another episode of 1% Better and I'm recording this one in my new studio at home. Uh, I'm calling it Studio 3.0, it's the first one I've recorded in this new environment so it could be a little bit echoey, it's not soundproofed or anything yet. What's interesting about this episode and this interview is that the person that I'll be talking with uh, is also very much in uh, focusing in a studio, but more of an art studio, a paint studio uh, for her custom portraits. Casey Hancock, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Casey, I, I think I linked into your work on one of the, the many social platforms that we all are on these days, and I was very taken aback by the, the quality of the work, the paintings you do. They seem quite uh, unique. I suppose everybody's own work is a, a little bit unique. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to hearing about your approach and the style of work that, that you do. But doing the research, I was very interested in, in your backstory a little bit and, and saw on some of the news interviews you've done up to only two years ago, you were doing something very different. Um, yeah, about two and a half years ago, um, I was living I'm originally from Chicago, Illinois, um, and I was in the military for a few years and traveled a lot doing that. And I ended up in Arkansas, which I don't know if you know where that is, but it's in the South and it's... Um, it's very different. We'll just say that. But um, so I was there doing marketing for a company and did that for several years prior to quitting and deciding to pursue art full time and move to San Diego. Very interesting career change there from working yeah. in the Air Force to, to, <laughs> to art. Um, so we'll definitely dive, dive into that. I, I always like to uh, early on in the episodes kind of dive back into their early years of my of my guests and maybe talk about some of the early memories you have and if art or artistry was something that was a passion even in those early years oh, art has always been something that I've loved since I was a kid um, I used to just draw a lot of animals and I was actually really bad at drawing people which is kind of ironic because that's 
mostly what I do now. But when I was younger, I would just draw horses and animals. And I actually didn't start painting, though, until probably six years ago. But always been into art in general. Any idea where that interest came from? No, I don't know where it came from. It's just, I, I just always wanted to draw. I don't know. It was, it's been in me since I was a little kid and I've always just been fascinated with drawing stuff and also a perfectionist. So I'd spend you know, a week or so on the same little drawing that I was doing and I'd get so frustrated if I did anything wrong <laughs> or messed it up in any way, I'd be so upset. But yeah, I've always been passionate about it. And was it something anyone else in your family had a, had a flair for kind of art or mm. design? No, no, not really. Actually. Um, my dad is in sales and my mom trains German shepherds, um, for police departments and personal protection stuff. So it was kind of actually completely random. I'm the only person really in my family that is into art or creating art. Um, I, my brothers and sisters, they're creative, but they're, it's just not their passion, mm. I'd say. Okay. And as you were growing up, your parents noticed, were aware of this passion that you had? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And um, my other passion is photography. And my dad would always, um, he'd give me these disposable cameras. And then I would take all these pictures. And then every other week, he'd take me to get them developed. And then I'd use those pictures to draw or whatever. So he was always really supportive when I came to that as well. Um, yeah, they were, they were both, they definitely knew that art is what I wanted to do. But the funny thing is, is my dad actually told me that, you know, you don't want to do art. You don't want to go to college for art because you're not going to make any money. <laughs> it's actually what he said, which, um, it on which the line you there. know, yeah, he just put it out there. But to be fair, most artists do starve. So I get where he was coming from, um, which is why instead of going to art school, I joined the military. <laughs> okay. And was that a tough decision to make? Was it, like, was it, it obvious? Was, that, it was you know. and it wasn't. I mean, I always loved art, but I also, you know, wanted to make money and be on my own. And when he told me that, I believed him. And like I said, he was probably right back then, but then, um, the military taught me a lot of discipline and, and then my marketing job taught me how to market myself and both of those skills. And my degree is actually in marketing. So all of those things combined helped me market my own art, which is, I think a big part of why it worked out. Mm. Yeah. It's interesting as we go along these journeys that we're on some of the skills you pick up along the way that you maybe didn't expect would be advantageous at a, at a later point what did you learn most from the air force then from your time in the military that kind of you use now in your in your work or in your developing career i'd say uh, a level of professionalism and um dependability integrity just like just common core values and things that you know when you're dealing with someone and there's a level of respect and and just the way you treat people and the way you carry yourself. And, and also there's just a lot of um, respect that people treat you with knowing that you've been in the military, which is awesome as well. Um, but yeah, it was just really good in just helping me stay focused and just be accountable. Really. It was very, yeah, they micromanage every single thing you do. So there's a lot of rules and a lot of 
regulations. It's very disciplined. Mm. And discipline certainly helps when you're working in a kind of a creative way, I suppose, balancing creativity and discipline are probably two things that um, maybe don't always go together. uh, (laughs) They really don't. They, you know, most artists, I feel like um, probably their biggest downside, if you were to even ask them, would be that it's hard to stay focused or, or disciplined. Like you, I could spend so many hours on the same piece more than I do already, but I have to have the discipline to cut myself off and say, okay, you're only going to spend this amount of time and then you're done. Like no one's going to notice this tiny little spot that you're going to spend two hours on. No one's even going to care. (laughs) Cut it out. You're just, you're being too extra. (laughs) So it's a blessing and, and a curse at the same time sometimes, isn't it? Correct. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's true. That <laughs> level of focus. Um, we'll, we'll get more into that in a little bit because I totally can, uh, I wouldn't say empathize, but I can I can relate to it trying to put together a podcast, sometimes editing out, a, you know, a breath or an um or an ah that nobody else would notice can, um, can, can really take a little bit of extra time <laughs> that uh, you might never get to the end of. But um, so... While you were in the Air Force, uh, was there was that passion still there? How were you um, continuing to develop your artwork, or was it something you were trying to lock away? How how was the relationship with with it during those years? Um, so when I was in the military, I think I expressed my creativity mostly through photography. Um, I, I had a, a camera that I would just take everywhere, and we would try to go to a different country once a month. Um, just to just to visit and see, and we were broke airmen, so it's not like we had a lot of money. So we were staying in hostels and things. But the one thing I did spend money on was a nice camera. So I did a lot of photography. I tried painting while I was there, but uh, well, like when I say there, I was in Germany for a couple of years. Which um, while I was there, I tried painting and things, but there wasn't a lot of spare time because the military requires you to volunteer a certain amount of your time. You have to work out a certain number of hours, and then also be at work all day and they just ask a lot of you so there wasn't a lot of downtime where I could relax and paint um so I just did photography when we would travel okay so that was still your outlet for for the creativity Mm -hmm. I guess and then when you decided to leave um and then pursued your career in marketing and graphic design I think was 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 Mm -hmm. the area what were the the draw into that that world. Why, why at that point did you not go down the, um, the 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 artist route? Did you think there was another draw into this world? Uh, I'd say that it was still me uh, keeping that thought in the back of my head. What my dad said about how hard it is to be successful as an artist. I still wanted to make sure I could take care of myself. I've been on my own since I was eighteen, so I've always been able to take care of myself, and that's that's number one you know, art was always second to being able to provide for myself. So when I got out of the military, when I finished my enlistment with the military and um, I started going to school full time for marketing, part of why I joined the military was they paid for my college, um, all of my university. So I was going to school for a degree in marketing because I knew it was something that I could get a job in, you know, before, after I graduate. And then I actually ended up doing marketing while I was going to school for it. And then once I was working there for just a little while, they actually saw that I was really into the creative aspects and encouraged me to do more graphic design. And they actually paid for me to go to an Adobe 
training um, class and get certified in Adobe for graphic design. So I was I was in a lot of schooling. I was doing that, and then I was a full time student and working full time. So art was even then I was just expressing it through work and doing advertisements for the company that I was working with. Mm, very good. So I know you mentioned about being in, in the corporate world and the corporate setting was a, a great learning experience. Mm-hmm. What were the the key takeaways maybe from your few years in that world that? Uh, much like working in the military some of the things you took out that now are being beneficial in in your current line of work basically the marketing aspects were I knew how to market but I didn't know to that extent I did a lot of it was a large company so I did a lot of uh, business to business marketing where I would travel with the company's uh, vice president of marketing and things and actually meet with a room full of buyers for product and we would pitch what we're doing um, on social media. I also helped with that stuff and the, you know, do product videos for these things and all the advertisements and things that we can also contribute if this company wants to carry that product. So it just helped with the, again, with the professionalism and then also just seeing what people are interested in hearing when you're pitching to somebody, what do they want to hear? And it gave me a different perspective as to when someone would try to pitch something to me while I worked there, what was it that they said that made me want to listen more? So things like that. Yeah. What I'm fascinated about, because I probably don't know a lot about marketing or advertising. The only stuff I've kind of learned is the last few years as I try to market and get the podcast out there is I suppose there's a, there's a psychology behind a lot of it and probably you're playing into to what 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 catches people's attention. Is there anything that stands out as you were going through those experiences that you realize now, looking at it from that lens, that you said, "Okay, th- this is how I can hook people in a little bit." Is there any kind of tactics or cool techniques that that you use? I think that um, something I've noticed that people who collect my art or purchase my art really appreciate are the time-lapse videos. They like to see the process. People want to know how it was created. And it got to the point where when people would ask me to do a portrait for them or commission me to do a portrait, they, they would ask if I could actually make a video with it. So that was something they started requesting as part of the purchase. And I make them anyways, just for my own marketing purposes. So that's not a problem. But I really enjoyed seeing how much people appreciated the videos. So that was kind of a big thing for me. And I, it's not something I would have thought people would care to see. And I still have people that ask me if I do live, like either live or if I just do real-time videos, really long videos of me painting. And I still don't do those because in my mind, I'm, I just think, why would somebody <laughs> want to watch me paint in real time? That's so boring. Yeah. And people want to see it. I don't know. I don't know. People people can be a bit strange, and uh, I know they watch kind of Big Brother when that's on. Watch people sleeping and things like that. So I don't know. Maybe there's, there's <laughs> yeah, something going on in there. Um, interesting. So as you were kind of starting to plan your plan B, I suppose moving out on your own. I talked to a lot of people on mm-hmm. the podcast that are are kind of in similar worlds where they've been working in corporate. They're afraid to take that step out. Those words are ringing in your ear from your dad, I suppose, to say, you know, artists don't make money. What did you put in place 
so that when you did step out you had some sort of maybe safety net had you certain things lined up what what was the uh, your strategy there uh, so I'd say I definitely planned for it it wasn't just a rash decision this is something I, I had working for about two years in advance my my company the company that I worked for would send me to California sometimes to do business and I told them they sent me one too many times because I'm going to move there right. <laughs> and um, but prior to actually pulling the trigger to make the transition, I saved up enough money to where I would be okay if I didn't make anything for two years. So it was, it was, I was getting paid really well at my, at my job and I was living well within my means. I was really trying to not spend on anything unnecessarily. So I saved up a lot and then I used that money to make me feel comfortable to make the transition because I'm not the type of person to take a risk that big. I'm just not. And uh, it's just not my style. I like stability and consistency. So it was the scariest thing I've ever done in my entire life. And I actually didn't even tell my dad that I had done it until 30 days after I did it. Because I, didn't, you out of it. Uh, I, I thought that he would be upset about it. Yeah, exactly. I thought he'd try and talk me out of it. So I just didn't tell him. And then, um, and then I moved to California and then I told him. And all he said was, um, he said, you know, I'm surprised that you did it, but I have no doubts that you're going to be successful at it, which surprised me because I always thought that he thought that art was just not going to be a good idea. But I think he knew by this point in my life that I wouldn't do it if I didn't have a plan and hadn't thought out all of the things that could go wrong. So he just trusted my judgment by this time in my life. Very good. Yeah, no, that's that's really interesting. The the level of preparation you put in, the banking X amount. And I totally can understand what you're saying of, you know, I, you would talk to a lot of people and they would say, you know, you have all the skills and you're, you're really talented. Of course, you're going to make it. And I think no matter how many times you hear that from other people, it, it, it sometimes doesn't sink in until you actually walk the walk yourself or you think they're just saying it to, to make you feel better or whatnot. Um, so, you, you, yeah, that's interesting. And your level of risk, uh, you have a, a low risk threshold. So, obviously, having that amount of uh, savings makes you feel you could still live that lifestyle. So, I think th- those are important things to get across because you, again, hear a lot of people that just jump out and six weeks eight weeks two months three months later they realize they have no income coming and they haven't saved and you know this whole cash flow challenge comes up um in the early stages of a business yeah that's a very it's a very hard thing to handle and art is expensive supplies are expensive and i knew that if i wanted to live a comfortable lifestyle and not you know be eating ramen noodles every day that i would need to prepare and I didn't want to sacrifice what I was used to and how I was used to living um, to do art but at the same time I was willing to do it I told myself that if I went through a, a year of that money and I was uh, one of the year one out of two years and I felt as though this wasn't there was no hope this wasn't going to work that I would go back to working for someone else in a corporate marketing job before I let myself run out of money because the last thing I wanted to do is use all of that money have nothing to show for it, and then have to start all over again. Right. So you had a That's two year. Not, uh, yeah. Yeah. You had your two year plan, but really one year was what you were willing to, to play with. 
Right, exactly. And spend, um, spend, you know, money on investing into starting this business. And the first year I'd say, I, I mean, I didn't really make a lot of money, but I didn't spend a lot of money either. My, my art business was paying for itself. Um, but probably my rent was the one thing that was coming out of my savings, but the, everything, all the supplies, things like that, they all paid for themselves. And then the second year is when it actually, I was like, wow, well, okay, now I'm making money. Let's, let's do this. <laughs> Very good. And the confidence probably starts to soar then as well. Right. Well, and even now the confidence, I mean, sometimes you have it and sometimes you don't, you can have a, a fantastic month where I make great money and then another month where it's slow, it's just, that's part of art, you know, it's very inconsistent and I have to try to be ready for those inconsistencies as much as possible. Right, right. The waves, I guess there did, um, did you have any pieces prepared and sold just before you stepped out or was it like, was it then you're stepping out and now you're going to focus fully? You just didn't have the time to focus on it beforehand. Yeah, I did not have the time to focus on it beforehand. So um, I did one piece before I left Arkansas that was actually for a friend, and it was huge. It was, it was, um, was it eight feet by six feet? But I'm not sure how much that would be in centimeters. I'm bad at that, but it was very, very large. And um, and after I did that one, I was working on that one after work every day for a month right before I left because I told my company on it was new year's day i think on 2017 or 16 i can't remember but that i was going to leave in a month and so i gave them a month notice that i was still be in the office and help them interview and everything and then i worked and helped them a month remotely after i moved to california just to make sure that that person knew what they were doing because i don't i really appreciated the company i didn't want to just leave them so i started doing a piece in the evenings after work and finished that one right before I moved out to California. But my body of work was so small because I hadn't had time to do any art for myself. So it was really starting from scratch when I moved out to California. Mm. Can I ask you about kind of at the time, did you have any advice from people in the business of art or, or like any influencers that you were kind of, or even mentors that were helping you with the decisions? No, actually, unfortunately, I, I really didn't. I had a friend who was an artist um, who did metal sculpture art, but I also saw him really struggle. I mean, he his supplies were way more expensive than what I could imagine because he, he was working in metal. And, um, you know, I just saw he, he was a starving artist. He was willing to give up everything to keep going and doing art regardless of what it cost him. And um, I just knew that's not what I wanted. And I had the marketing background to avoid it. And, you know, and I just tried to use everything that I've learned to have a better uh, understanding of what I needed to do prior to doing it than he did. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, no, I just, just thought it was an interesting question. Because again, a lot of the time yeah, I talk to, to, to people that have mentors that certainly guide them along in the first couple of years till till they're out on standing on their own two feet sort of thing but um it sounds like your yeah your preparation i suppose your planning probably has has helped you with with replacing that when you yeah. st stood out then and started was there what was the inspiration for maybe the first few major pieces of work you wanted to put out and 
start the I guess the ball rolling? The first so the first piece that I did that really I felt good about and that I really planned was um it was a it's called pilot selfie. And I've actually done a, a few of them since then, but it was for a marine pilot who had taken a picture while he was flying a jet and asked me if I could paint it. And it was a huge, it was four feet by four feet. It was a big painting. And I, I, um, I did it for $800, which is like nothing considering the canvas probably cost me 150 and I worked on it for a, a while. But at the, at the time I didn't have any other projects going on. So I, I documented making it and everything and used that as my first project. And, um, and it got a lot of attention, which was nice. And then I ended up doing a few more of them with permission from the, the pilot who took the picture. I asked him if I could use that image to create more art as part of the deal for doing it so cheap, cheaply. Um, and just remove, there was a, an identifying mark on the bridge nose of his gas, like of his mask on the, in the original photo. And I, I said that I would remove that because it's a personal identification number for the military. And and then recreate that image for a few other people. And so that was kind of part of the deal. So I did that. And that was really the first notable piece that I feel like made it made a statement. Mm. And and was was there a an initial breakthrough piece that got a lot of attention that that started to, uh, you know, ramp things up for you? Oh, that's a good question. I'd say probably I, every once in a while I'll do a pop art piece that is more so for exposure than it is for selling. Um, they'll still sell, but it takes a lot longer. It's just, but they do get a lot of attention and spread the word on social media. Um, so I'd say I did a biggie, um, biggie smalls piece yeah. that uh, got a lot of attention. So that was one that kind of, when people started asking and requesting things. Um, and then also I did a piece for, um, Dwight Howard, which is an who's an NBA player, um, where he really likes snakes. So I, I combined all these. I used my graphic design skills to combine six different images to make the concept for this one painting for him, and then I painted it. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'd say I just try to do different things all the time. And I, I like so many different styles of art that I just can't help myself, and I want to try everything. So um, I feel like. I'm still just exploring and I'm still at that stage where I just want to try everything and people can appreciate that. I'm just stepping out and doing random stuff. So I don't think it's like one piece. I think it's a lot of different pieces and styles. Of course. And is there, is there a, what would you call your style? How do you define it? Is there a name for it? Is there like an identity around it? If anything, I just say it's kind of pop art. Um, which can mean different things to different people, but I really, I'd say people probably identify me most for just using teal a lot. I use a lot of teal. Um, it's just a color I'm really drawn to and I'm still trying to find my style really. And like, what is that identifying identifiable style that people, when they look at it are like, Oh, that is a you know, Casey Lynn Hancock piece. And that's something that actually I still to this day struggle with because I still want to try all these different styles and I still want to experiment. But at the same time, I also want my work to be identifiable. 
So that's something I still I still work on. I do real like uh, realism, portraits to abstract to just whatever at this point. I just whatever I feel like creating is what I create right now. So I wouldn't say there's one style. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, I'm just scanning down through your website looking at the different yeah. ones that are that are on the uh, on the shop on the old products and. You can t- yeah, you can tell and go through phases and. Um, like I, some days I just want to do abstract because I don't want to have to think that hard. And I like the way they just flow and create themselves. You choose the colors and then you kind of just let it happen. Um, whereas other pieces take a lot of planning and, um, you know, editing and design prior to even painting. So a lot of these just take a lot of time just to create the concept. Um, so I like to take a mental break sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Just interested on that though. Do some pieces, take a lot more mental energy than than others and I guess that's probably an obvious answer to that there's high levels of complexity to it what what are what what are the factors that would make one more mentally draining than, than others I'd say probably the design design is probably the hardest thing once I start painting I feel like for the most part it just flows. Like I have an idea. I already know what I'm trying to do and painting it is the easiest part. It's coming up with the concept and the plan and making sure that, that the composition is right, which is the flow of your eye through an artwork, a piece of art or anything, any a photo, a photo or whatever, but just the way your eye flows through the piece and that it looks good proportionally, things like that. And then just deciding on what it is you want to paint and what you're trying to convey through that painting that's that's the most draining part honestly and lately i've also been working on doing uh, realistic skin tones with oil which i just started using oil a couple months ago and i have found that that is can be a little mentally draining just creating the right skin tones because they're not the colors you think they would be which kind of kind of makes you upset it frustrates me sometimes because i'm like well this is this shouldn't be blue why is why am i using blue for her skin you know in certain parts but that's the way it is the the teal piece maybe is kind of coming into play again there is is there is like from from what i read as well you've had no real formal training in any of this right correct yeah i'm 100 self-taught other than a couple of photography classes that taught composition and how your eye travels through a piece and then, you know, but not since high school or anything like that had I taken any art classes. So all self-taught and just YouTube. If I don't know it, I, I will Google it and I will YouTube it. And for example, when I started working with oil, I didn't know how to even clean the brushes. I'm like, how do you get the oil off these brushes? This is not the same as acrylic. And you have to use like a citrus. So it's just a learning learning curve. But I love it so much that I will invest everything I have in all of my time into learning something new. Mm, learning is, is a absolutely addictive for, for sure. And do you yeah. notice over the, the course of just creating even one piece or multiple pieces, your, your improvement in how you approach it and you, you know, does your speed at which you can create, um, you know, increase? Oh yes, definitely. Um, for example, about a year and a half ago, or not even, maybe like, oh, no, about a year and a half ago, I started airbrushing. 
Um, and when I first started, I didn't even know how to hold the airbrush gun. And it would take me a really long time to do a face, a portrait. And then it just it got faster and faster. And I knew which areas to be careful about um, and which you know areas I would have problems with, what to do first. So you just, the more you do it, the better you get, definitely. And, and I just try to continuously practice. So if, even on the weekends, if I'm not working on a larger piece that's for sale, I'm practicing on smaller canvases just to work on technique and speed. Hmm. So you're, you're literally just practicing a specific technique over and over again mm -hmm. in a deliberate way. I talk a lot about deliberate practice on that. So that, that's interesting because I suppose coming from it from a zero uh, level of understanding of how to, I'm just, I'm not an artist of any sort um, and don't know how it's all put together, but it's just interesting how you would like, if, if I was playing golf, I'd be practicing a certain shot. You're, are you practicing a certain stroke or, or just a certain shape or... Mm -hmm. A lot of, a lot of, um, like I said, right now I'm doing the oils and I'm practicing skin tones. So blending skin. And so I did an African American woman a couple weeks ago, and I feel like I can do those colors easier, um, than I can do, uh, really pale skin for whatever reason, the pigments, cause I have kind of an olive skin tone. So I guess that might be why it's easier for me to do more of a golden complexion, whereas fair skin is it's so hard i'm like i've been working on it nonstop, and it's actually it's hard for me so i'm i know i can do it and i just need to keep doing it and it will work out it's just practice mm. when you approach a piece do you do it in x amount of hour blocks short blocks or do you would you like work 12 hours on something what's your approach to to doing the work it depends on the day. Um, so now I get a lot of emails and things to answer. So I try to do those maybe every other day for a couple hours in the morning. Um, and then after that, I'm just painting all day. I'll paint until until my boyfriend is like, you need to stop. <laughs> it's, you know, it's eight o'clock at night and I'm still painting. And and uh, he's like, come watch, a, come watch a show with me or something. Like, Put that down. Because I just become obsessed and I'll keep going because it's it's what I love to do. There's just, I don't know. It's just what I want to do all the time. So I will paint all day, every day. Interesting. Would you ever get a scenario where like that you might be working for painting for hours and hours and like is there, is there kind of like breakthrough moments where you can kind of get something just works? And I know sometimes if I am... Um, writing all day and i leave it for a couple of days i come back to it and then i can just really take off again and it had that kind of mini breakthrough is there anything similar like that when you're painting do you kind of get to a fatigue state that you need to leave and come back and then you're much more productive afterwards absolutely i have several paintings that are not finished that i just take a break from and sometimes it's a couple of days, sometimes a month, sometimes a year. And then I'll circle back to them and look at them in a completely different light. And it really does help because they, I do get burnt out on certain pieces, especially if something's not working or it's not what I envision, then I definitely need to stop and start something completely different and just take a break from it mentally. But it really does help. Mm, that's interesting. What do you do when you make like a mistake or, or, or things don't turn out the way, like I presume, is it, 
have you got to nearly the end of a piece and you have to just scrap it uh, just interesting to how, how how you learn from those mistakes as well oh yeah well there's uh for the most part i had to learn i'm a, i'm a perfectionist so i want everything to be perfect and i had to learn that it's okay to make mistakes and with art and with painting you could fix anything so i have some paintings that have four other paintings underneath them i mean you can fix anything it's okay because when i first when i first started i had these large canvases and they were so intimidating because you don't want to make a mistake because you just paid two hundred dollars for this canvas and you it, i felt like if i made a mistake that i had to throw the whole thing away mm. um but then as i did it more and more i'd say that's the biggest thing i learned is that you can fix anything like just step away there's i think only one painting ever that i felt like could not be salvaged and that's just because my own standard and I was working it was a portrait piece and it was for someone and so obviously I have even higher standards for those because it needs to look exactly like that person and there was one feature that I didn't feel like looked good enough and I was just so upset about it I was about to cry because I was so frustrated because I had been working on it for so long um and I had that's one of those I had to take a break from for a while and then try to come back. And then finally I was just like, something about this piece isn't working. And then I started over. So it took a lot more time, but I didn't want to put a piece of art out there that I wasn't proud of. Mm. That's interesting. The perfectionist versus good enough debate is something I have with myself a lot. And I talk to, to other guests on, do you feel that that level of perfectionism can sometimes hinder you and is there any wiggle, oh, yeah. wiggle room in it do you does your boyfriend or others kind of you know say look you gotta kind of drop the bar a little bit yes like when he came when he came home and I was working on a piece and I was about to start crying he's like it's okay like like just relax like step away from it I actually had to turn it around on the wall so I couldn't even see it and just walk away from it but there's a quote that I heard that I find really interesting and true. And they say, perf uh, what is it? perfection is the enemy of profitability. And to an extent it can be because sometimes we, rather than getting things out there, we get so caught up in these tiny little details that they hinder any chance for profit when you look back. But I mean, don't get me wrong. My standards are extremely high and I want everything to be perfect. But at the same time, I also know that I can get to a point where I will spend a couple hours on something that is not necessary because it looks great. It's just a like a mental thing in my head that I feel like I want to change, but it's not necessary. Mm, yeah, no, definitely. Should, I guess they say if you look at any, um, you know, the Mona Lisa probably has lots of imperfections on it that through our views wouldn't see, whereas... Uh, you know that that are they're obvious to the actual artist so um oh of course i'm sure he i mean i, I think i believe there are several paintings underneath the Mona yeah Lisa. i hear that yeah, um, yeah yeah that he painted over because he wasn't happy with it and i can relate to that definitely um, it'd be easy for me to spend a month on the same piece easily if i would let myself mm. you said earlier on about being strict with your time management though how do you approach that now for for a certain piece is it is there a kind of a formula you use for maybe the size of the canvas or or is there how do you manage to keep things moving to get work complete well now i've done enough 
pieces to where I have a better idea of how long it takes me to do each type of painting. So if it's a portrait, it's going to take a certain amount of time, regardless of size. Sometimes the smaller ones take longer than the bigger ones. It just depends. But um, what I did was I have a spreadsheet that tracks the hours that I spent on every painting I've ever done. I've kept track of how many hours it takes me to do that painting and then also how much I charged for it and and everything like that. So I can compare. So if you were to break it down and, you know, and do the math, you could see how much I was making per hour, I guess you could say, and whether or not it was worth it so that I can either adjust my pricing or speed up or I know I can do it in this amount of time. So it shouldn't take me, you know, this many hours. It's, it kind of gives me a, something to reference as to how my time should be spent and how I, how quickly I can do something as opposed to how quickly I'm doing it. Yeah, obviously there's a, a business element into it, so you have to kind of get uh, solid with the numbers and your you know return on investment is, is key. Right, well, and also too, just making sure you're happy with it. I mean, I would never put something out there that I felt I rushed or anything like that, but I also just, you know, you just have to find that balance. No, absolutely. I was going to ask you just a couple of quick ones before we wrap up, Casey. How do you deal with self-doubt or um, I guess even, you know, fear of, of how it'll be judged, how your work will be judged? That that was actually probably the hardest thing for me is I felt it it was easier to promote a product that I didn't even relate to than it was for me to promote myself because it is such a personal thing. It's very, very hard. And if somebody doesn't like your work, it's personal. I mean, you know, not that they mean it that way, but you take it personally because it's, it's your everything. So I actually found it harder to promote myself. Um, but when I'm feeling down, I just, I just try to look for inspiration in other places and just keep pushing. I know that this is what I want to do. And if a piece doesn't work or I get you know, some criticism about something, it's just moving on and just keep going. And there's, um, Andy Warhol said that don't worry about how your work is perceived, just keep creating. So don't, don't stop to see how people are responding or whether or not they like it, just keep creating and they're going to like something. No, it's it's true. And I think the same is said for, for writing and even putting out podcasts, just, if you know, if I was to think about the people that mightn't like this, I might never, never do it. So I think it's all about doing, doing the work and throwing yourself into it. So it's uh, yeah, just keep going, and they're gonna like something. I mean, and and I do a lot of pieces that are completely different. So if they they may like one I just did, and then not like the next one, and then really like the one after that, and it's just you know, who I mean, at the end, I want to say who cares? But if you're selling pieces and you're happy, that's and you're in a comfortable place, like it doesn't matter how many people dislike it, only takes one person to like it and buy it. Mm, very true. Last one, what what is the suppose the major lessons you've learned over the last couple of years since you've gone out on your own and ones maybe that if you had known earlier on that might have accelerated your progress? I actually posted something about this the other day, and this is truly the biggest thing that I learned is that don't wait until you feel like you know who you are to get started. I, for the longest time, I felt like I wasn't good enough to start promoting or selling my artwork and that I had to be at a certain level before I could feel like a true artist. 
And the thing with that is I still feel like that today. And I'll always feel like that because I'll always want to get better. And there's always somebody better and there's always another level to get to. Um, and if I would have waited for that time to come, it would have, it, it still hasn't come. So that's probably the biggest thing I learned is don't wait, just start. And people actually enjoy seeing the progression. They like seeing you start at one place and then how far you've come actually speaks volumes. So just don't wait, like, and don't compare yourself too much to other people. Just, just start. Very true. The the saying that keeps coming up for me when you mention that is that comparison is the thief of joy. I've probably said it more on the podcast mm-hmm. in the last few months than, uh, you know, probably too too often. But it's so so true. And uh, there's another one that says, "Don't compare um, your real life to someone else's highlight reel." Because all you're seeing on social media and things like that is what people want you to see, the best of the best of their life. And you shouldn't compare what the struggles you're going through every day to what their story or their you know, life seems to be like, because it's not. Yeah. And it can give you this false sense of like insecurity and make you think that you have to be at that level when you know, it's just a glorified version of what it is that they're doing. Yeah, true. Well, I guess if you looked at the one minute video I put up of myself today, that's definitely not me at my best anyway, but uh, I kind of <laughs> try to book that trend. Um, Casey, it was really, really nice to, to chat with you. It's fascinating hearing your story. I, I love when I connect with somebody online and hear about all the work they're doing. I'm in a privileged position to be able to do that with this uh, podcasting vehicle. Um, I'll definitely keep tracking your your progress how can folks connect in with your paintings with you potentially buy some custom-made work uh, my, my website is caseypaintings.com just c-a-s-e-y paintings.com and then uh, my instagram is the same it's just casey paintings um, and if if they're interested in having a piece done they can just send me an email through my website and i can give them pricing um yeah that's pretty much how it works and my avail- availability i can also let them know perfect no that sounds uh sounds really good i look forward to sharing this and thanks for taking uh, an hour out of your i guess it's lunchtime or early afternoon there <laughs> it's uh getting to 10 o'clock at night here so it's probably my bedtime oh, wow. <laughs> but uh I, I like recording <laughs> at night with my uh, u.s guests are, are generally nighttime for me so brilliant to chat with you um yeah, it was so nice speaking with you thank you for having me it was great to, great to chat i'll keep tracking as you progress thanks so much sounds good have a good evening so this is the outro of the podcast guys you got to the end and that is great please hang in here for another couple of minutes i know most people won't but maybe there's something here of interest so check this out first off thanks so much for listening to this one as well as maybe the hundred or so that's gone before it why not check them out if you haven't already there's lots of good stuff in there the whole podcasting journey for me has been a huge learning and i'm trying to help you guys learn and improve as well so much has changed over the last few years since i started it i've really realized lots of the goals that i put out there and then realized so many unexpected benefits as well and i think anytime you take on action towards a goal you're going to pick up lots of things that you didn't expect along the way and hopefully they're good things in this particular episode was there any one or two things that jumped out 
maybe you could take a pen and paper out right now because this is something that you might think of during the episode but never do do it now take it out write down a goal that you're going to set yourself as a result of something you learned from this episode put a plan in place and then work towards it applying yourself deliberately over time take ownership build a habit improve get one percent better share accountability with somebody you know in a buddy system and learn and grow and improve that's what it's all about that's my hopefully inspirational piece done other areas to note check out the website robofthegreen.ie you can consume everything there for free there is obviously the podcast there's video one minute monday clips there's articles uh, not enough but i'd like to put more there if you're interested in putting one there let me know and there's a get better at page which i'm starting to add new content to over time there's a feedback page if you want to email me rob at rob of the instead but it's all about trying to engage you and get you to a place of improvement so i'm open to feedback as i said ways you can help me is by following me on the socials at rob of the is the website or at rob of the green on all the social platforms subscribe to the podcast on any of the apps that you might listen to it on talk about it tell a friend about it tell your family members about it share some of the ideas not only to your friends but to me is there anything i can improve upon sign up to the newsletter that's there as well i'm experimenting again with a group called slack rob of the green on slack this is really for a shared accountability environment and sharing ideas you can sign up to that on the website as well all of this is obviously all free but there is also a, an option where you could subscribe to my patreon site and make a small donation for the content that we do it's there it's totally up to you everything that is coming in through that or could come in through that will go into making the podcast better so to close i am always trying to improve and get better change is difficult i know that but it's all about taking the first step learning something applying yourself moving forward you can do this i've been able to improve pushing myself outside the comfort zone learning and i think if i can do it so can you don't overreach don't set yourself unrealistic goals one percent at a time is enough but it's all about starting and that will bring you on your pursuit of betterness to a great place thanks for sticking to the very end talk to you next time and take care good luck